Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The Square Ball Podcast. To buy the Square Ball magazine, get back issues and podcasts, visit thesquareball.net. Coming up in today's pod, white watching, we take a look back at the last couple of weeks of Leeds life. We review the season so far and we bask in Jermaine Beckford's cup glory, plus a little bit of something about Michael Jackson. The Square Ball Podcast. Hello and welcome to the very first Square Ball Podcast. Um, I'm Dan Moylan, co-editor of the fanzine, and with me in the studio, Michael Normanton, the other half of the editing team for the Square Ball. Hello. Also in the studio, Daniel Chapman, better known on the forum as Moscow White. Hi there. And long-time uh, square ball stalwart Paul O'Dowd, known as Oddie. Hi there. Uh, don't forget, if you want to get in touch with us, any of us podcast at thesquareball.net. That's how you get in touch. That email will fire through to each and every one of us. Right, straight into it then. Part one, uh, white watching, just like the magazine. We'll have a look back at the last couple of weeks for uh, for Leeds United. Apparently we had some sort of cup game on uh, on Sunday... Not sure what happened there. We'll come on to that. Of course, it's the the big highlight from the last couple of weeks. Uh, we will get on to that. We'll uh, have a quick uh, mosey through what's happened before that. A uh, quick look at the Christmas period, which traditionally has always been a difficult one for Leeds. We normally bugger it all up in uh, in December, but uh, we did all right. Uh, we started off Saturday the nineteenth. Leeds won Southampton nil. Do we have anything to say about that? Was it? It was a fairly routine win. It was really yeah, comfortable from from the start. Really, they like I say they came into the game on a good run, but they didn't. Um didn't really show a great deal, I didn't think. I was quite disappointed with them. A lot of talk about Lambert as well causing us problems and Kiznarbo and Naylor seemed to have him pretty well sewn up all game. He didn't didn't get a ch- he got a chance in the very last minute, I think. But um yeah, he didn't didn't cause us any problems at all. Do we think we could have maybe scored more or was that was one nil fair? No, we we had we did we had quite a few chances, um bef- both before and after Snodgrass's goal. Um but I'll take one nil. It's fine. <laughs> All right, then straight on to the week after Boxing Day, straight after Christmas. Uh, uh, no hangovers and cliches and so on and so forth on Boxing Day. Bit of a bit of a dodgy start, though, wasn't it? Uh, Beyonce scored after 25, 1-0 down. Uh, we did well to turn it around quite quickly, yeah? Yeah, everyone went into a bit of uh, a bit of shock, really. We're not used to being behind at home, but it was early enough that I think everyone was relatively level-headed about it and uh, we just sort of set about playing a normal game. There didn't seem to be any panic over it and... Um, Got the, got the goals we deserved in the end. Was there a sense, well, we were only behind for, what, 12, 13 minutes. Was there, was there any panic in the crowd? Pretty big crowd as well, and we know that sometimes 
players can freeze, can't they, Alan Road, when uh, when the expectation levels rise or we fall behind? Uh, I don't think they seem to be. I think um, people are almost getting to trust this team now that we um, we can pull ourselves out of situations. So, I mean, in spite of ourselves, really. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so in that game, Becchio made it 2-1 uh, just before half-time. And then uh, Beckford bagged his second, 69 minutes. Fairly convincing win in the end. It'll, uh, it'll annoy Jeff Stelling. I was nice. Yeah. So he's, uh, did you see this Saturday as well? He was predicting uh, his tip of the day was Colchester to beat Preston. We then <laughs> uh, lost 7-0, which was nice. He was getting some stick for that as well. Golden touch for that, Jeff. Uh, and that one put us uh, six points clear with the game in hand. Just a, probably not on the attendance. Fair play for uh, over 30,000 people turning out at Category A. It's not cheap. Oh, but it's good value. Uh, so Monday after Christmas then the bank holiday Monday Stockport 2 leads 4 it's a bit of a funny game wasn't it ahead inside uh, 2 minutes you were there you texted me you said it was the worst referee you'd ever seen Kevin Friend yeah he's absolutely awful just um, he, he gave him the, the route back into it really giving him a free kick on the edge of the box which was never ever a free kick um, and just generally speaking just dreadful performance there was one point in the first half I thought he was going to book every single player I think he, he dished out something like four or five bookings in the mm. space of, sort of ten minutes um, generally didn't, just didn't let the game flow at all There was it seemed to be every 30 seconds there was another free kick for something just incredibly picky making people replace where the free kicks were being taken from checking if the corner if the balls were in the little arc on the corners just a generally awful performance because I, I was working at the time um this game was on and I saw that we'd, that we'd managed to to go behind and was, was there a sense do you think uh, hey this is the this is the Leeds United wobble coming back again we're going to start to bugger it up it's sort of this, similar to what happened against Hartlepool where it just it's irritating more than worrying it's just kind of you want a nice 4-0 at Stockport and they score a couple and they've just kind of they spoilt things a little bit but you, you're never really thinking it's going to go badly wrong I think by by the end, because of the, the state of the pitch and the referee and things, it did feel like a, a day where anything could happen. So I think we obviously equalised fairly quickly after they'd scored. But um, for, the, for the actual winner, I think that wasn't a surprise necessarily because we've done it so often this season. But, well, the source of it was certainly a surprise. After yeah, it, was, he, uh, it was a nice moment, wasn't it? He seemed he to was, enjoy it anyway. He loved it, yeah. It was, uh, Lee Bromby. Charging around the edge. after, And he'd already been booked to that stage as well, so he knew he was missing the, uh, the scum game as well. So That's probably the only reason the shirt didn't come off then for yeah. the celebration <laughs> with the booking. Uh, just a final note on that then. Attendance, 7,768. 3,000 leads, that's not bad. Not bad. It felt like uh, we had the majority of the stadium, really, because they were kind of spread out across the... They've got a big stand behind the net that no one was in. So we'll put that one to bed, um, because obviously we've got a slightly bigger game to talk about. Uh Yesterday, as it is when we were recording this, um, Sunday the 3rd of January 2010, it's probably going to go down in history, isn't it, that one? In our history, anyway. Oh, and theirs. <laughs> can't erase the result from uh, from the record books. Just in case we, we weren't sure what the result was, it was Man United nil, Leeds won, if you woke up. It was with, what? Man United nil. Sorry, United nil, <laughs> other United won. There's, that's been out of control, even even with we, us winning... There's been far too many United nil leads ones going around. Yeah, I, it, it irritates me beyond belief, and um, I've sort of mentioned on on the forum that uh, my stepbrother is a Man United fan, and he and he wanted to come round. He'd asked if he could. Well, actually, he probably knew what was coming because he asked my girlfriend if they could come round, and uh, she asked me, and I relayed the message. No, I'm not watching it with one of them lot in my house, and it's probably a good job as well. It'd been, I think, how nice it'd have been though, really. 
Yeah, but I, I uh, you know, I, I spent the whole game pacing up and down the lounge and hiding behind cushions and and stuff like that. But I, I have to say, when we scored, my baby daughter, bless her, she's uh, sixteen months old now, and uh, I made her cry when we scored because I, I roared so loud. I think <laughs> the neighbours might have been onto the front of the police as well. I, I was very nearly on, on, in tears when we scored. To be quite honest with myself, it was uh, and even more all second half as well. I felt like I, I felt like I might break down at any moment. <laughs> this was all through through a fog of Guinness as well, was it? it was, yeah, but before the game actually it was all right. It was uh, it was after the game that the the troubles started in that front. But, um. Well, we'll come on to that more in part two because part two is where we expand upon what's been happening in the last fortnight and the big talking point, I guess, because it's such a famous win, uh, is the Man United game. So we'll come on to that in part two in a moment. www.thesquareball.net Levou a marcação do primeiro, agora ele mesmo faz a bola chegar à frente, tentou dominar o Beckford, saiu o goleirão, gol! É do Leeds, Beckford, na saída do goleiro Kuskzak, que comparece em grande número no Trafford. 1 a 0 para o Leeds, comecinho de jogo na segunda tentativa do Beckford. 1 a 0 para o Leeds. Beckford. So back to part two then. Uh, part two, we reflect on the talking point from the last fortnight that's happened to Leeds and we couldn't really turn anywhere else, could we, but uh, the red lot from over the hills. I like to think hopefully that'll be the match that'll finish Ferguson off, um, <laughs> if, if at all possible. Do you mean in terms of killing him? Or I, I never said that, I'll... I'll I'll just leave that as it is. Because he did, he didn't seem happy. But I don't know, unless he choked on his nose hair or something. He didn't seem. <laughs> is he on your dead celebrity list? He's not on my dead celebrity <laughs> list, but um... well, it will be the be- beginning of the golden age of Gary Neville's management. <laughs> we're all looking forward to. Brilliant to see Gary Neville struggling so much yesterday as well. By the way, he was absolutely awful. He's so slow now. There was quite a few times he was. People were obviously expecting him to overlap and just passed it, passed it out for a goal kick. As Neville just stood ten yards behind him, not able to move. So Brilliant. Gary Neville versus Ian Hart. Uh, <laughs> who would John Money be on? Well, Ian Hart's never been booed that much at home either. That was the other beautiful thing about watching Neville yesterday: was every touch being greeted by massive boos <laughs> ringing round Old Trafford. Do you, do you genuinely think he? Uh... It affects him because yeah. he gets into it, doesn't he? Does Neville? He's a bit of a hothead, really. It will have hurt him. I could see you could see with Rooney as well in the second half was getting really wound up, mm. and they were maybe the only two that actually cared. But you could tell there was caring going on. Yeah, but Rooney's frustration is with his teammates. Yeah, I think. yeah. Neville's just with Neville the world. Just, you think? <laughs> ne- Neville just sick of life, <laughs> being fathered by a man called Neville. Missing Neville. David Beckham. <laughs> But yeah, Ferguson. I mean, you know, the the, the extra time being an insult to uh, to humanity or whatever it was that he said. What, <laughs> what what is Ferguson's problem? Is it you know, would he be like ten minutes, fifteen minutes? It was six, not enough. He's just very bitter. Like saying, he, he was almost uh, he almost got through a press conference without resorting to re- uh, blaming other people. He said, "Oh, Leeds did very well. They deserve the win," and then it just escaped from him. He just he just couldn't he just couldn't be gracious for once. He just had to blurt out at the end that it was the referee's fault for not playing I don't know, I don't know how much time he wanted. I mean it's like I say he played six and which I I win the pod for five, from. I've no idea where that came from really but Well a knight of the realm <laughs> should be a bit more gracious, shouldn't he? A bit more uh, swashbuckling and uh, and honourable than that. Well what helped as well was it took him an hour or something to build up to it because all the ITV after the game and Yorkshire Radio were saying 
there's no sign of him. He won't come and speak. And then when he finally did come, and he was one of these, I don't know, I drew myself a bit closer to the television and sort of folded my arms. I thought, this is Sunday afternoon round the television. We all tune in to finally hear what Sir Alex has to say. Yeah. And he didn't disappoint. No, no. An hour to, uh, to wait, and he still had a face like a slapped ass. Well, been, I think he'd been the hair, the hair dryer treatment, and yeah. it had been in the, in the dressing room. Um, and I think, I think the thing about it was that his reaction had been met just with I don't know, universal laughter almost. Yeah. Like everyone's just kind of seen him for what he is, you know. It's a, it's a, it's a petty reaction. He's complaining about not having enough time, uh, in, in extra time to, to play against us. But, you know, were the first 96 minutes not enough? If they didn't manage <laughs> it in the first hour and a half and a bit. <laughs> so what's his problem? You know, does he, need, does he need more time? Does he need two, two hours, three hours? As long as it takes. It's that's, just, that's what normally happens. Fergie time. Compare and contrast Fergie's reaction and handling of the whole thing. I mean, he was fairly gracious in the build-up. He was nice about Grayson. And afterwards... Don't he was, believe him. Well, he was quite nice afterwards about Leeds, wasn't he, saying that we Still had a... Still don't believe him. A greater, greater desire. But, you know, obviously the, the, the pettiness. How do you, you compare the two? You know, Grayson handled it very graciously, didn't he? And he, and he, was, he was modest in victory as well. He was. I, I, the more I see of him, I just can't fault the man on anything he's ever done, to be quite honest. <laughs> he, could, he could do absolutely anything for me. He's, uh, he just can't seem to make a wrong decision at the moment. We seem to make a sub, he scores. He just handles everything absolutely superbly. Because yeah, the, the build-up was quite low-key, wasn't it? Um, and, he, and he managed to keep him focused just about on on the league with this. I mean, we look at the, the Tottenham game next, obviously. Do you think it's going to be a distraction still being in the cup or do you think he's going to manage to shepherd him through? You start to believe he's going to shepherd well, him that, through. That was a big fear with this game that people were getting worried that with this and the, obviously the big deal that's Johnson's paint, we'd forget about the league and just be totally caught up in all the all the cup ma- matches. But he successfully kept a lid on it all the last few weeks. Just We had that little blip with South, um, Huddersfield and Brentford, but they, they were draws and then just quietly kept it ticking we all sort of felt going in that nothing much was going to happen. We'd just get beaten and hopefully not be badly beaten. And then it suddenly turned into probably like the best result we've had for years. Not the biggest game we've had for years because all the, all the, we've had the playoff defeats and the relegation games that were all bigger. But as a result, it's the first one we've actually gone in, turned up and come away and won. Pound for pound, it's been suggested that was one of our best results ever in terms of where we are relative to Man United. Well, what's good about it is they're never going to be able to get back at us for it because they're, realistically, unless Gary Neville's reign as manager is really terrible, <laughs> going to be in a situation where we're, they're in Division 3 and we're champions. So they can't get it back. So it'll always be, we were in Division 3 and we beat you 1-0 at your place. O- almost makes it bearable being in League 1. Yeah, that's a big almost. question. Almost. And the, and the years been worth it. And the £41 pound tickets, that made me think. <laughs> League 1's not that bad as well. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we only peak at, what, 32 now? Yeah, I mean, that's a bargain. Plus for, that's a bargain for Hartlepool. So in terms of the match, what do you think major talking points? Um, is it worth talking about anything that happened in the match? Because the result's just all that counts, isn't it? It's worth reiterating that that was their first team as good as... I've already seen people saying, well, if, if, if they'd played the, the first 11, we wouldn't have stood a chance. But Rooney, Berbatov, best fit keeper they've got. Anderson, everyone says he's great. Obertan's supposed to be the new Zidane. Gibbon, then, is it Gibbon? I don't Gibson. care what he's called. Gibbon, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just, he's supposed to be the best thing since sliced bread, showed nothing. Welbeck was terrible. Welbeck was terrible. You, Wes Brown is an England defender. It was. Now he stayed on the pitch was. Amazing, yeah. And the big guns on the bench. Well, back in effect, having been 
unable to get past Andy Hughes should probably consider retirement <laughs> as, a, as a potential as England's next big star yeah being he, unfair to Andy Hughes I think they're just totting up those figures actually the players you were listing they've got I counted 60 million in strikers alone if not more um, you know there's got to be it's a 100 million pound team that isn't yeah. it we yeah, didn't easily. even pay anything for Becky our, our uh, two vir- virtually free strikers and completely free centre-backs They've uh, completely showed them up, really, despite them having... Uh, it was the only Snodgrass that we paid a decent fee for. Even then it wasn't much, was it? So it was about 250 yeah. grand or something. I think I think my, my personal highlight, and it's not necessarily related to the football itself, but was seeing Gary Neville roaring in the face of the referee, and, and it, it really annoyed me at the time. And I think, But I think looking back on it, it really delighted me to see that happen, because they lost. Yeah, after after it, looking back on it, you can be sort of serene about things. And a bit like leaving the ground, there was um, walking past the pub, it's called the Trafford Hotel or something. There was some, like all the Man U fans were in there, kind of caged in in a beer garden. But they're all like leering over the fence, singing, uh, sing, singing about Istanbul and stuff. And no one seemed bothered. It was quite nice. Everyone, everyone was kind of just, just floating past them. Thinking, you know, you see what you want today, to be honest. You've lost to us. The second half, though, I remember at half time, I went on square ball and posted something very relaxed about how, at this point, it doesn't really matter if we win or lose because we've gone to Old Trafford and we've proven ourselves as, uh, as good as the best. And then the rest of the second half, I was just um, moving closer and closer to the television and yet not quite being able to watch it. Every time Andy Hughes headed the ball back to Kasper Ankergren, <laughs> it was just like a, a jabbing pain in my stomach. <laughs> and yet every single time it seemed to work and it just that, was, that grew and grew as the game went on. It, and then we bloody won. It was one of those days when everything just seemed to come together, didn't it? it was, the world was the right way up again, I think, as somebody posted. Even Kasper... I was worried about him in the first half and then the second half there just weren't any crosses for him to not deal with everything that came to him seemed to be things he could do and he did them all brilliantly to be fair to him normally one of the most critical of him really but he was uh, he had a good day Schmeichel-esque in his performance at Old Trafford they started saying that on ITV as well didn't they there was two two Danes at Old Trafford I really have not seen him very often but in the second (laughs) half some of his uh, those saves when he was being scrambled off the line and he just got down really quickly and managed to get it away. It was just, why doesn't he do that against well, Yeovil? Yeah, <laughs> so one thing, that's one thing he can do. He can. He is a good shot stopper, and his sort of spur of the moment decisions are, are fine generally when he's you know diving at people's feet and things. It's uh, when he's judging a flighted ball and things, and he'll come storming out. And credit to the defenders as well because they meant that he didn't get tested all that often. I guess you know they dealt with most crosses and yeah. Well, yeah. Naylor and Kisnall, but we've kind of got used to them being superb, really. But um, Crow and Hughes against, like I say, against Obertan and Welbeck, who were both really quick. People, you had to be worried about it, really, but they both had games of their lives, I think, really. Any standout performances, you think, from, from that team, or do they all deserve the same amount of credit? I think they all... They all do, I think. They all do, really. I saw, I saw in the... Um, it was in the Sun today, they had player ratings, and everyone got eight, apart from Beckford, who got nine, and that's probably... That's just because he just scored. Just because he scored. I think, I think I'd have given him all ten, probably. In that second half, he was ploughing mostly alone for up front, wasn't he? Yeah, and Becchio was sort of chasing all over the place, and by the time he went off, he looked absolutely in bits. But If I had to pick one, I'd say Kisnorbo was my man in the match. Yeah, I think definitely. Probably, but they all, they all deserve it. You can split the champagne 11 ways. One more glasses. <laughs> So looking ahead to the next round, as I mentioned, we got uh, we got Spurs. Um, what what do we feel about that? Twenty four hours on after the draw's been made, it's another another big one. Um, we've we've waited for years, really, since we've been relegated. We've not actually had a decent cup to have we? And then this year they've all come at once. 
Darlington, Grimsby. <laughs> Accrington. Again. We've nothing Looking to lose again. Yeah. Nothing. So. They're a weird club, Tottenham. I can never make my mind up because our office has got a Tottenham fan. I think everybody's got a Tottenham fan at work, but they don't go to games ever. And they only seem to care about beating Arsenal. And then they did that thing last season of getting out of the way for Cup and then really trying to get back into it and buying Keane and buying Defoe and selling Keane and selling Defoe and then buying them back. And it all just seems like they're just a, this really backwards club. And, well, not backwards, but they just seem to spin round in a, a constant Tottenham circle. And we're just going to have to somehow penetrate their spinning Tottenham circle. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense to me. You think, you think they're caught up in a, in a whirlwind of trying to compete with Arsenal? You mentioned they're always you know, kind of preoccupied with them, like the you know, little man syndrome almost. I think they might just be caught up in a whirlwind of being a bit lousy. Like, yeah. They're never going to get anywhere. And so that's the metaphor I was looking for, is trying to get our Titanic-like ship through their whirlwind of lousiness <laughs> without suffering any kind of uh, capsize for our promotion campaign. Where are we going to go from here? <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Have you seen the uh, the plans for their stadium as well? They're, they're, they're building it around White Hart Lane, aren't they? They're demolishing half of White Hart Lane whilst they build the new stadium next mm-hmm. to it. It's going to be a, a bizarre looking thing. It's going to be like Newcastle but without the two smaller sides. It'll be like Chelsea in the old days where they could have a car park behind one, one goal. Just all this space at one end while everybody else is crammed into the rest of it. I, I trust they're going to be building um, hotels and nightclubs because that's an absolute necessity. It's a must. It's a must. Yeah. yeah, that's just the sort of thing you need on the Tottenham High Road, I think. <laughs> um, so going back to the Spurs Cup fixture then, it's postponing the Walsall game. Um, we've also got the Tranmere game as well to, to be rearranged. Is it is it going to cause us a problem, you know, fixture pilot-wise? Are we going to start to get the, the, the fixtures coming too too thick and too fast? It might do, I suppose, but after a day like yesterday, you can't you can't possibly start to think about that. I don't think, because I mean, we should really go up regardless this year. And if we drop the odd, the odd away point in midweek, I think when you look back at this season, you're not going to remember drawing one all at Tranmere on Tuesday night. Sometime you're gonna you're gonna remember that. Yeah. You're gonna remember uh, Sunday's have, game. We did have uh, eight games in December, and we've got seven games in January. And get through those. Well, I see it's getting to the point where it doesn't seem to matter because like Norwich and Charlton could still beat us and not catch us. Yeah, exactly. Mm. We need to go. We need to go on a, a properly bad run because this year we've talked about blips, but what it actually is is like a two draws. Mm. That's not. It's not really a blip, not in any meaningful sense, anyway. Just going back to uh, our friend Mr. Bates, uh, a little bit of something I picked up in in the papers in the preview to the Man United game. Uh, the reasons why. Bates, and it was not tax, is not going to Old Trafford for the for the game on Sunday. And there's the usual uh, belligerence uh, about our wines a lot effing better than David Gill's wine and so on and so forth. Um, Susanna pipes up in the interview uh, and, and it says her reasons are, it's medical, very boring, she said, the reason why uh, they weren't going to be going to the Man United game. So it might be boring to them, but it's a point of interest to us, isn't it? That, you can you know, name a boring disease that an old man might have. Like, do, we, do we worry on uh, Mr Pitt's behalf that he might not be well or fit enough to attend matches? Or depends what it, it depends how boring the disease depends is. Depends what the is. Not be interested. <laughs> if it's something really old-fashioned, maybe he's got scurvy. Or rickets, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Mind Michael you, we, rickets. We've had, yeah, we've had rickets before and uh, never again. So that wraps that up then. If you uh, if you want to get in touch, uh, podcast at thesquareball.net, drop us an email, let us know what you think about this. So if you want us to talk about anything in the Square Ball podcast... Uh, and we're back in a moment with part three. www.thesquareball.net 
on to part three then. This is Square Ball Podcast. Uh- Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Uh, we're going to have a quick look uh, at the season so far. Um, we'll have perhaps a look at the uh, at the squad and, uh, and what's happening in the transfer window. So starting at the start then... Man United game aside, what would you say the highlights of uh, of this season have been? Maybe just all the la- all the last minute winners. Really, just been every game. There seems to be one. MK Dons away was a was a great one, particularly I think because of uh, what happened there last year and the, just the general fact that they're a disgrace of a club. Um, it just made it particularly satisfying somehow. <laughs> Having seen Paul Telfer and Mansour Asimani slogging around the same pitch last year to get to get one over on them was uh, was a great moment. And I think that's one of the probably one of the key points of the season in terms of. Uh, Kind of banishing the ghosts of of the past. A year is a long time. Football, it was a very long it? time because uh, that that say that performance last year was uh, when the Leeds fans were all, we were all cheering every corner that we managed to clear because they they'd scored from two inside about ten minutes it seems. So. <laughs> the old gallows humour. So what, yeah. uh, I think one of my highlights and we got the photo of it in the in the square ball this season of was of the kid being uh, chased across the pitch by the <laughs> steward, wasn't it? And he started doing uh, muscle man gestures wasn't yeah. it? In, front of, in front of the uh, in front of the stands. Yeah. Which game was that? Exeter, I think. First game of the season. That's a good old pitch invasion. Not not that we encourage it, of course. Uh, the Norwich win was a that was a good goal. Yeah, that was a great moment, yeah. wasn't it? Nice to see. And we were outplayed for most of that game. But that, that show, kind of shows the resilience, doesn't it? it does, we've, yeah. got, we've got this season, and I think the that. difference is this year we've actually got a defence that can take a bit of a battering, and we won't concede. And then in that Norwich game, we did get, like I say, battered for probably about an hour of it in the middle. We started all right, then they had all the play, and then but then we brought on uh, Gradle and Candle, made a few changes, and from that point on we could attack. And because we actually managed to stay stable at the back, it, we were in a position to grab chances. It, in a year ago, we'd have been. Four one down by that stage. It goes back even further than that. I think even back to Blackwell, you just expected last five minutes came opposition score a winner, and that carried on. Blackwell, Wise, McAllister. It was always just last five minutes, just throw it away. We look a lot fitter now, though. I know we got a lot of late winners under Wise, but well, we don't know. Candle's a good-looking lad, but he's <laughs> <laughs> not my type. Um, I'll come on to Gradle in a second, actually. Um, but I guess, but given that apart from the Liverpool Cup game, the only defeat of the season, uh, Millwall away, would we take that as the low point? It's got to be really because we've not lost. <laughs> other than that, 
But it was, I think, it was sandwiched between other good results, and it was just quickly forgotten about. Really, if, if, it, if it had gone on and we bounced have, back well, yeah, to four nils. Exactly. If we'd, have, if we'd have had a bad run off the back of it, I think then you'd you'd look at it as maybe a bit of a turning point. But well, as we, it was, it was a bit of a blip. We we could have got something out of the game, but well, we went to um, we got to put that as a key match, haven't you? We went to Bristol Rovers straight after Millwall and uh, and spanked them four nil. I mean, as you just said, what's the, what's the better response that you could give than that? Exactly. It just just sends out a signal to the rest of the league as well that it was it's a one off and we're not going to be easily toppled. I think I think that's something else we've really set in this year that it must be depressing for other teams to watch us. Having to see us like at Stockport, for example, they must have been Norwich and Charlton have been looking at it think, with five minutes to go, thinking, "Oh, Leeds are going to drop points here against bottom of the league." Unexpected bonus for us, and then we inevitably sort of go and go and bag a winner. And I think they must be now thinking it's between those, it's between the two of them for second place, rather than rather than going for the championship still. Well, there's sort of four teams in and around that same same number of points, and you got Norwich, Charlton. I think Norwich and Charlton are the two that are going to challenge for it. Colchester are doing all right, but. Huddersfield. I would expect them to fade really, and the same as Huddersfield really. I don't, I don't think they've got the the players or the management to put on a consistent run in the same way as uh, Charlton or Norwich have. One thing that Simon Grayson seems to have a bit of a Midas touch with is transfers this year, and he seems to be pretty inspired with who he's brought in. And I mean, even though like Vokes and Ephraim haven't been, you know, brilliant, they were useful. And Ephraim came in, didn't he? Was it Oldham when he started mm-hmm. and, and looked useful on the wing? But you look at Gradle, um, he's been a key player this year. Gisnobo. Yeah, because we were... An up, absolute rock, I think. Oh, he's, I think he's been the, the signing of the season, hasn't he? It wouldn't surprise yeah. me if he didn't get player of the year. Yeah. You think, obviously, you look at Beckford as a key player as well, as he, uh, he's been the man getting us the goals, hasn't he? But the thing on the um, Grayson signings, the thing I've liked about it is never knowing when he's going to make a signing. When I got to the Norwich game, I think folks was wearing 16, and I was looking and thinking... David Weatherall's playing. I had absolutely no idea that we'd signed anybody because it was, it was just not announced until they're in the team and they're on mm. the pitch. And you never, you never knew Grade always come in. Kisnobo, again, we were all, we spent all summer crying about whether we were going to get Sam Sodji or not. Mm. And then Kisnobo signed up and he's twice the player. Sodji, well, I mean, every time I've seen him at Charlton, he's been lying on his knees. Or being sent off. Or being sent off. And and that's always a nice thing Higgs as well nobody knew who Higgs was and, um... it's a shame about Higgs really because he started the season incredibly really I think as well as Casper did on Sunday so I don't really want to slag him off generally speaking I think the team is it just looks so much more stable with Higgs in than, than Casper like, I'd, I'd almost accepted Casper and thought oh we're a league one team mm. we've got to accept we're not going to have a top class keeper then Higgs came in and he just looked so, so much better than anyone we've had in the last few years he's the, I think he's the closest thing to a Nigel Martin isn't he he is for, for league one certainly we'll come on to Beckford in a minute is, is there anyone else in the squad you think's worthy of mention as a key player this season Snodgrass has, uh, has been useful hasn't he he's kind of second a step up this year well, well I don't know last year when we were doing badly he was the one player who was actually playing well Whereas now other people have improved around him, so he doesn't stand out maybe quite as much as he did last year. But and even he, when you look at the forums and things, he does quite often get a bit criticised. But when you see how many of the assists he's provided, he clearly is still the man for it. His permanent knackeredness is a worry for me as well. Yeah, like he does always look. He, he a runs bit... onto the pitch looking as if he's just played six games of football that morning, and he's oh, I'm going to have to do another one. And every miss, he turns around, and he's think the lad looks like he's about to expire. How old is he now? Is he what twenty three? Is he? Well, yeah, that's, still, that's yeah. the worry. He's twenty-three <laughs> and he's shot. Difficult paper round in the Highlands. <laughs> I think the other player who deserves a mention for his recent form, well, recent being like the last couple of months, Kilkenny since he's come in, he's completely changed the way we play. I think he's, he gives a real calmness in the centre of the park now, which you just don't really get in this league. Generally speaking, you, you've 
you normally have a, some plodders in the centre of the park, a bit of they're a bit of a Michael Doyle character. Most <laughs> most teams have sort of two of them. The water carrier. Yeah, whereas we <laughs> we actually have someone who can uh, who can pick a pass and hold possession. He's very busy. He's always looking for the ball. Yeah, he's it's, it's the Arsenal thing. It's the Arsenal schooling, isn't it? He's, mm-hmm. he's been brought up well. I think Doyle answered a few of his critics as well yesterday against. He did, well, he did very yeah, well yesterday against those lot. He's played every game in a team that's won every game, so he can't be that bad. Yeah, Just, it's almost Jonathan really, Douglas syndrome, isn't it? Yeah, people were always slating Douglas, and I, I was a bit undecided about him, but you know, we always did quite well when he was in the side, didn't we? Well, like with Doyle yesterday, is that at full time he didn't shake any hands. He just ran over to the Leeds fans, pumping his fists. That's what you Did like a- pay absolutely no respect to him, which I quite, <laughs> I quite enjoyed. I must say that, that was a general thing with the whole team, wasn't it? They didn't seem overawed by the occasion, and uh, whereas in, in the past, I think um, other Leeds sides under other managers might have choked a little bit or mm. might have uh, given them too much respect. Well, it was nice. The performance was pretty much the same as against anyone we've played. It wasn't like everybody changed the way they played just for that match it just seemed like business as usual just beating some team that wasn't as good as us mm-hmm. I think because they started well they had that confidence to yeah we can pass through these players and, and yeah. play I think Rooney and Berbatov were probably not expecting it to be as difficult as it was against uh, no. Naylor and Kisnarbo Naylor's booking was brilliant when oh, Rooney was... Rooney went past him and it was a proper Sunday league hack of a booking he just, <laughs> just clearly I'm, I'm taking a yellow air I don't care it was one for the team wasn't it <laughs> that might be a highlight of my season yeah. just swing straight through with his legs there was no intention of getting the ball at all it was brilliant it's what, it's what they call a professional tackle <laughs> Uh, so going back to um, the squad, we've sort of picked out key players. Do you think the squad's a bit too big, or are we, we going to need it when we get into this uh, this mammoth JPT uh, final? Well, they're all playing for the place at Wembley if, when we get past Carlisle. <laughs> um, yeah, there's obviously players who are not part of the plans anymore. I mean, the obvious ones would be Robinson, Shawumi, Sheehan are all, are all clearly they don't even get a place on the bench anymore. Mm. And she and he just seems to get sent out on loan all the time. Well, the the the, the word on the street, if if such a thing exists, is that is that she was a bad influence on Bradley Johnson because they were enjoying. Um, Did his mum say the, that? The Leeds nightlife a little bit too much, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that he was a bad influence on him, and maybe it's true because Johnson's had a great season, hasn't he, so far? Yeah, yeah. Even though he's been in and out a little bit, um, but he seems to have sort of grown into his into his role. We haven't really missed Delph um, since he's come in. And the same things happened with the loan signings that. Maybe haven't worked out like folks played when he had to to get through Becky or being injured and then got rid of him because he he was not up to it and uh, frame as well didn't really do much get rid yeah. and so the squad size it'll kind of it'll be interesting to see who comes in because he may just have another couple of players that can come in just sit on the bench when we need him. I quite like the way we've used the loans this year because we we have maybe Grade side who, who has actually developed into a kind of a semi important role in, in coming off the bench but him aside there've been there've been players who've been brought into fill gaps in the short term and, and just give us more options off the bench whereas in the past when you looked at like the, the team we got relegated with from the Premiership and early Blackwell days when we had like you know people like Tony Warner and well it was late Blackwell really Tony Warner Jeff Horsfield and people like that coming in intending to play every game and they're just clearly not good enough whereas now we've got we've got a good solid team but we can just we can just sort of nick players from leagues above and we've got the luxury of actually not having to start them because we've got, we've got such a good team at the moment. And they're not, he's not giving season-long loans, so they know they're playing for a, a contract, possibly, or a longer loan. Mm. The ones that haven't worked out, they've just gone back and no hard feelings, really. But Shame about Vokes, actually, because I, I had quite high hopes for him. Uh, I did as well, yeah. Because yeah. mm. I remember him being, I remember him being um, dangerous for Bournemouth against us, and you know, he was one of those players that was uh, talked about, wasn't he? And 
he's come in and not quite been uh, well he's not been the player that we, we think he was do you think that's fitness or not knowing the system or is he you know for me it seemed like a hint of what we might fear if if Beckford does go of that fear of getting somebody else who we think is just as good and they're just not yeah. you can't pinpoint why they're on paper the ideal replacement a premiership player and then takes his place in the team and doesn't did he even score a goal folks he, he got, got one, one goal two, Bristol away yeah, yeah. You mentioned Beckford. Obviously, it's the the big talking point. It's gone yet? It's it's half past seven. Well, yeah, coming into uh, into the the transfer window, and we're going to have to, unfortunately, I think, even if he does stay, we're going to have to endure a month of this, aren't we? Mm. Another month of the of the media stirring it up. It, what can we hope to retain him? What what if somebody does come in with a couple of million? Would it make sense, or can we put a price on promotion? Some talk at the game yesterday it was a kind of a, a friend of a friend passed on sort of story, but Lee Bromby was in the. Um, the Leeds end, and someone, someone said about um, he's going. Beckford's going to go to Newcastle for two million, and we're going to buy Billy Sharp for one and a half million to replace him. Mm. Which it sounded like bollocks, really, <laughs> because Bates won't spend one and a half million pounds on a player. Was the main the main thing that made me think, no, that's, that's not going to happen. Mm. If you said we're going to sell him and get you know some new hotel beds or something in, or in, improve Jeff, the Jeff improve, improve the banqueting suite or something, then I might have <laughs> believed it. But I don't know that. That's been sort of touted as an option, but Hewton's in the paper again today, and it's getting annoying now with him constantly being. So oh, I'm looking at Beckford. He said he didn't go to Old Trafford, but he's aware that he played well. And all this, like, shut up. Do you think that's the media being a bit naughty, or because that's I think quite it's gracious, being isn't naughty. it? Yeah. yeah, they want him, and they're they're trying to unsettle him. Well, the, f- the fact is, he can open. You know, they can open discussions with him now. He could sign a pre-contract from now mm. uh, if they want him. They can get him. And that's been the strange thing about it all is that from the summer when the contract wasn't signed Beckford just hasn't said anything he's not been in the papers going I want away from Leeds Grayson's not been in the papers saying oh we're having a really hard time holding on to him it's just been situation Grayson said it again yesterday you can go at the end of the season you'll go if we get a massive fee and we're keeping him to get us promoted Is it reminiscent of when Boyer was running his contract down and not a lot came out was it you know well, that, is it the player being clever you, Well, but then you saw Boyer at Liverpool and at Ruining his uh, his nine million pound move, is that right? If I, am I remembering this? Well, I can remember him. Yeah, it was he was all set to sign, and then he yeah. just uh, Julio said he didn't like his attitude or something, and then it was it fell through. So there was all that going on, but you'd not. Was that proved that really Boyer anything. wasn't being clever because he couldn't be? Could Lee Boyer be <laughs> yeah. clever? Yes, yeah, it's a good, it is a good point. But do we think do we think he's? I mean, it's it's a fifty fifty thing, isn't it? Is he going to stay? Is he going to go? I think he'll stay. I don't know why really. I just I just have a. Particularly after Sunday, I don't know. Why, I don't know if I'm just feeling a bit, a bit romantic about it somehow. But the romance of the cup, it, might, it must be. But I don't know. I just, I just get the feeling that maybe that'll make him want to stay because he, he, he's been put on a big stage by us, and I don't know. He's, he's very much the, uh, the big fish at the moment in our, in our quite, still quite small pond. Because having scored that goal, I mean, he's not been popular amongst the fans. For I, I don't really know why. Really, he's just got a bit of an attitude, I suppose. But surely that is gonna be the thing that cements him as a favourite now you would think is it not the agent though that's fueling the move potentially yeah I mean, but then at some point you've got to you've got to look at your agent and say Newcastle are you serious <laughs> well <laughs> maybe it's, it's, it's down to his age and the fact that he's he's thinking well you know they're pushing for championship promotion they're probably going to go up mm. you know on balance is this a shot within 12 months at the Premier League mm. you know there's no guarantee we'll go up if we if, you know romance of the cup aside that everyone's saying we're on our way back but even if we do go up this season, next year is going to be a slog. Mm. 
and there's no guarantee whatsoever we'll be up there before he's 30, is there? No. My gut feeling is he'll stay, but the more that Newcastle keep talking, the more worried that makes me because the, the, the money keeps increasing. If you look at him this season, 20 goals already, you'd pay £6 million in the top flight to buy a striker who'd score 20 goals. So for this season, we get 20 goals and then sell him for £3 million. That's like got to be one of the best bits of business you can imagine. So turning down that amount of money for somebody who's already given you 20 goals, it's difficult. And plus Bates is, uh, is fond of £3 million pound checks mm. when they when they're offered <laughs> that's the thing it is, it is an awful lot of money for a player who we, we didn't pay anything for in the first place really it was like 40 grand and is potentially going. we're going to get nothing for in six months time I mean they have got to look at it I think but just from a purely football point of view I think it'd be a disaster to sell him really and we'll call that it for that section of the podcast uh, into the fourth and final part now and we'll have a look at what's coming up www.thesquareball.net Just word on the next podcast then. Uh, it'll be out Tuesday the 19th of January so it'll be uh, available for you to listen to before the blockbuster Carlisle JPT game which is one I know we're all, uh, we're all waiting for. We'll have a full full preview of that match. I don't know if I'm more excited about the first leg or the second leg. Oh, the, you mean a Tuesday night in, in a cold Carlisle in February doesn't attract you? <laughs> I'm booking a full full week off work around each game just to prepare for it, I think. <laughs> uh, looking at the games we've got coming up before the next podcast, um, Saturday, Wickham at home. Is it going to be after the Lord Mayor's Parade, big Category C match, you know? I'd say no. Again, just going back to this season, it's not a season we're making mistakes and I think it'll continue. I think I expect us to win quite comfortably. Well, yeah, you say that the unthinkable happened, didn't it, on Sunday, so... Uh... Are we now going to, we should build on it, shouldn't we? Um, the return of uh, Michael Dubry. Oh, the Dubs, he's coming back. He'll always adds a bit of spice, doesn't it? Is that worth a punt for a goal? Maybe. Well, for us, maybe. An old goal. And just a, a point on that game um, if we avoid defeat, it means we're unbeaten at Ellen Road for 12 months, so we're sure to lose, aren't we? <laughs> no, not this time. No, I've, got, I've got faith. I, I, I did predict before the Kettering game, though, that we'd, uh, we'd come out and comfortably destroy them, which we did eventually, but I was. A little bit on edge going, in, yeah. going into extra time. Well, history of being a Leeds fan, it's it's all about shattering your uh, expectation and your hope, isn't it? It's like as you said before in the in the magazine, it's that it's the hope that often destroys you. But the unthinkable happened on Sunday, didn't it? So you never know. Uh, right, the week after that, after Wickham, we are away at the proper St James's Park, uh, Exeter, a long one down there. Anybody going to that? Yeah, I'm going down. Got the. Uh, Going down Saturday morning, back Sunday evening. So the missus will be delighted with that. Oh yeah, that's all. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, is is Yuri Geller still involved down there, bending spoons, or is, is has he moved on now? I don't know. They'd probably need a exorcist to get him out. If he was uh, once Michael, he's involved. Michael Jackson turned up there once as well, didn't he? Yeah, he was, yeah, was a guest. I'm, I'm pretty sure it might be my memory making this up, but. I'm certain at one point he said Michael Jackson was like an honorary director of the club or something like that. I think so. Which is who you want involved in the running of your football club. Yeah, I mean, his, his, his expertise goes uh, goes a long way, doesn't it? Involved with the under-16s. Sorry. <laughs> Which is fine to say because you can't libel the dead. <laughs> I'm just saying he, he's a fan of youth football. <laughs> <laughs> and if I you, literally fell off my chair then. <laughs> uh, if you've got anything to say on that or youth football in general, <laughs> uh, you can always get in touch with us, podcast at thesquareball.net if there's anything you'd like us to uh, to mention 
in the next podcast or any more Michael Jackson chatter you can uh, you can share with us. Uh, also worth mentioning, the current edition of the magazine, the Square Ball Fanzine, is out now, and it's got a lovely festive cover, which will be hugely out of date by the time uh, this is released. Uh, the next issue was going to be available on Saturday the 23rd versus Walsall, but the Spurs Cup draw has completely buggered that up, so uh, do we know when we're going to get it out yet? Uh, we're looking at maybe the Carlisle... JPT game, but no one really goes. This is the downside of beating scum. We've yeah. got all this to deal with now. It's really, I, w- I wish we lost. Beckford didn't to be take quite that honest. into account, did he? No, well, Paul Elliott didn't do did when he was drawing the balls because I saw his sticky fingers on that uh, that number thirty-two ball, and he let go of it for the Spurs one, didn't he? A home draw could have been just what the square ball needed. Thanks, Paul Elliott. In the next uh, edition of the Square Ball magazine, we've got an interview with Danny Mills, which, as they say in the in the industry, is already in the can. And it, it's a bit of a blockbuster, isn't it? Yeah, it's pretty good. It's not um, not your standard kind of platitudes and game of two halves. Very nice. Good. He was a good bloke. None, it's none of that stuff. He well, I was going to say he gets he lays into a few people, but it's mainly mainly just one really. Mr. O'Leary. <laughs> so here's what uh, Danny Mills had to say about David O'Leary. O'Leary was in it for himself, um, and it was all about David O'Leary, um, and it wasn't about the players. I'm not gonna, I'm not, I, won't, I won't lie, tactically, he was inept. And you can read the full transcript of that interview in the next uh, issue of The Square Ball. What do we think about that? Was O'Leary tactically inept? Yes. In a word? Yes. <laughs> yeah. I'm pleased Danny Mills isn't a liar, which separates him from David O'Leary um, <laughs> to start with. What, why? What, what, what's, just to put you on the spot then, what, why? What's he lied about? Um, well, most recently there was his business about um, how much Alex Ferguson respected him as a manager. I don't know. Well, maybe it's not just lies. Maybe it's just confusion that, that, that Alex Ferguson's respect for him as a manager was entirely due to the fact that he could beat him very easily every time they met. Mm. And I don't know, I'm not a fan of David O'Leary. Going back to... Um we were saying about Grayson tactically as well. He actually makes substitutions that change games. Although I seem to remember just constantly bringing on a striker with about four minutes to go. He used to bring Robbie Keane on on about the 85th minute, regardless if we were 3-0 up, 3-0 down. He didn't really do anything up to that point and then he just they just sort of throw him on last five minutes just, just, just to show he was actually there. Yeah, we've, we've bought him, we need him, there he is. Yeah. Now, it, was a, it was a feature, wasn't it, of O'Leary's... Uh... O'Leary's tenure that we never made substitutions I never, I never know why that was everyone used to complain that he never took Mark Viduka off but Viduka again suffering probably from uh, from Beckford syndrome a little bit in that you know we give him a hard time but he always used to come up with goals didn't he I think it was just that O'Leary never took anybody off he's just got that sense of untouchability still that has absolutely nothing to do with anything he's ever done in the game it's pretty fair to say that no chairman appear to want to uh, to touch him at the minute. Do they? Well, and that's it. He's he's always in the papers saying, "Oh, I'm, he's waiting for the right job to come along." I think that's a lie. Is he waiting for the prime ministership? <laughs> he's no. waiting for Ferguson to uh, end him and Gary Neville after Duke it out. <laughs> I would I would pay for that on Square Ball TV. Yeah, that's the next uh, expansion in the media empire. I think. Oh, Christ. So we'll wrap it up there. And if you want to buy the magazine, uh, get subscriptions, back issues, and have a, uh, a look at the chat forum as well, have a look on the website. It's all there at the squareball.net. Uh, thanks to Radio Air for the use of the facilities today. And thank you to all you gents in the studio. Michael Normanton. Bye-bye. Paul O'Dowd. Bye-bye. And you, Daniel Chapman. Bye-bye. And the next podcast, as we mentioned, Tuesday the 19th, of January look out for it it's the day of the Carlisle JPT game and we'll have a full preview of the Spurs game until next time we'll see you then
the Square Ball Podcast. To buy the Square Ball magazine, get back issues and podcasts, visit thesquareball.net. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.